Hey everyone, before we get to this episode, I just wanted to say that we recorded this back on July 10th before the NC and EFNA committees traveled out to Seattle for negotiations. We're releasing it on July 17th, but on the 15th of July, uh, ALPA and United reached an agreement in principle. So there are a couple things that might be a little out of date with what's said on this episode, but overall it's a really good representation of where we're going to be with the contract comparison. So with that housekeeping out of the way, here's our episode. Today's swap number is six. That's the number of agreements that have been ratified with two still pending at other carriers over the last nine months. With American and FedEx agreements out for ratification, that leaves just us as the only major airline still far away from a deal. So today on the show, we're going to talk with EFNA Chair Eric Schnitzler, member Greg Ald, and SRC committee member Dan O'Connor about what's been happening with other carriers' contracts and Swappa's upcoming contract comparisons scheduled to be released in the next couple of weeks. Swappa Seattle 3, turn left, heading 140, runway 22 left, clear for takeoff. Clear for takeoff, 22 left, left turn, 140, I'm Amy Robinson. And I'm Kurt Heideman, and here's our interview with Eric, Greg, and Dan. So, Eric, first off, why are we updating our contract comparison now? Well, we figure that it, it's time because uh, we have several airlines that have already come to an agreement or have tenant agreements out there, and we think it's important to get this information out to our pilots since we are obviously in the, in the middle of contract negotiations, and, and it's important that we keep them informed. And now the Delta deal changed the market. Would you say that it's still rising, or uh, do you think we've hit a high point? I think, you know, it potentially could still be rising. Uh, we haven't seen yet what United has, but United is reportedly very close, uh, less than 10 items to uh, close uh, their contract to a potential tentative agreement. So um, we do, do think there is possibility for the market to continue to rise. Which airlines are still waiting for a deal? Well, obviously us and uh, United and Allegiant is also out there as well. Recently, we had American is in the middle of a vote. Their board just approved their tenant agreement to be sent to the membership. And then, of course, earlier this year, uh, we had Delta settle. And then uh, very early this year at the, at the turn of the year and last fall, we had Alaska and Hawaiian as well as Spirit and JetBlue. Uh, FedEx as well uh, there. If not already started to vote, preparing to uh, send their agreement to the membership. If these other airlines close a deal, will we update the contract comparison to show those changes? Absolutely. Right now, uh, our contract comparison is just about finished. Uh, we're working on the benefits section, but everything is updated except for uh, United uh, right now. And we will make everything final once we see if American's deal passes and FedEx deals passes. But everything else is updated and we will continue. It's, it's a living document. So we will continue to update that as uh, long as changes come in from the other carriers. When you describe those airlines, you listed a number of airlines, but do we compare ourselves to all those? Do we compare ourselves to FedEx, to Allegiant, to all the other carriers? We compare ourselves to the big four. Uh, the other airlines are good for informational purposes, but we, uh, we stick with comparing ourselves to the, uh, the other three carriers that comprise the big four. And we will note UPS and FedEx where appropriate. And I think that's a comparison because that's exactly how the company's management compares itself in its proxy statements. It compares themselves to the large airlines. And so it's only appropriate that we do that ourselves. 
Talk a little bit about compensation per diem, the new pay provisions in the various contracts. With Delta and American, obviously they got a fairly decent sized raise, a snap up, and then continuing raises on through either 2026 or 2027. First of all, we call them snap ups. We're talking about the pay rates on the date of ratification. That's what we're talking about when we say a snap up, right? Correct. For example, Delta's rates, their snap up becomes effective January 1st of this year, and Americans, if it's ratified, would be May this year. And so how does that differ from when they calculate a ratification bonus as retro pay? How do they get that number? Well, the way they've been calculating those numbers in the past is they essentially set what you might consider like a phantom pay rate for a previous year. So for example, Delta said they paid 4% for the wages of earned in 2020, and then 4% in 2021, and then 14% for the wages earned in 2022. So you add those together, and then you go back and look at the flying done during those periods at those elevated rates, and then you, of course, get a check for the difference. So the snap up and the retro or the ratification bonus, they're related, but they're not the same thing. Exactly. So they don't go back and publish a 2020, 2021, and 2022 pay table per se, but they do calculate the bonus based on that. Instead, what they do is they roll up just what Eric said, the snap up rate or the increase at date of signing and create the new pay table. So what percentage raises would Southwest need to match, say, American or Delta? Well, to make that distinction, first you have to talk about, you know, how do we convert our TFP pay values to the other carriers' block hour values? You know, the subject of the TFP to block hour conversion would really be the subject of an entire other podcast, and math is hard to do on the radio. So let's just keep it a little bit more, more simple. If we look at the conversion of our TFP values to, say, Americans' TA values as they exist right now, using the agreed upon, or should say the previous agreed upon rate of 1.149 TFP per block hour, that would mean we'd need a 19.4% raise at data signing to reach Americans' Group 2 rates, which encompasses their 737s. Delta, if we just use their 700 and 800 rates, we'd need 18.7%. If we use their 900 rates, they also we would need a 19.4% raise to match Delta. We're recording this so the week after Adam Carlisle put out kind of the table positions for the company, VP of Labor Relations. And one of the things he mentioned was the company's offering narrow body rates. How do we compare the, you know, you said group two, and that's the the 737. What about the 75? Uh, what about the 321 NEO? How do they justify uh, narrow body rates? Well, if you look at the other carriers, uh, let's look at American and Delta because those are the ones we know and have published scales. American's easier to look at because they lump their narrow bodies like A320, 321s, and 737s into their group two. And that's typically how we've compared ourselves. They have a group three, which is a step above, which includes the 757. Uh, and that and those rates run about three and a half, three point eight percent more than their group two rates. So those rates, while those are narrow body airplanes, those are longer range narrow body airplanes, but those do represent a target for us to look for as we try to match what Adam's narrow body rates are. We would look to the other carrier's narrow body as well. Delta does something similar. They have a 737, 700, 800 rate. They have a very small step up into their 737, 900, and they've just added an A321N rate, which is equal to their 757 and their smaller 767 rates. Uh, one point that uh, we found interesting is Delta has 100 of the MAX 10 aircraft on order. 
However, they do not have MAX-10 rates. And to our knowledge, when they do acquire these aircraft, that would trigger a reopener and they would negotiate new pay rates for that MAX-10. American does have MAX-8 and MAX-9 rates. But we found that to be uh, pretty interesting when we were going through the comparison here. Okay, let's talk a little bit about per diem. Is there a difference between American and Delta and some of the others? Uh, yes, they, they increase their per diem. Um, just to refresh, ours is 235 domestic and 285 international. And American and Deltas uh, mirror each other at uh, 285 for domestic and 335 for international. What's interesting is that these rates are indexed to the government uh, meals and incidental expenses tables. So they will increase as those rates, uh, the government rates go up. Delta, for example, is, is at indexed at 90% of the M and IE rate. So, and they can never, Americans can never be lower than the rates they have now. So uh, that's important because that attempts to keep pace with inflation. As, as we all know, um, it's very expensive on overnights, you know, meals, uh, beverages, that kind of thing. So it's important that that keeps up with the rising costs of purchasing food on the road. Dan, you've been real quiet so far, so let me ask you, uh, how about holiday pay? How does that compare? Yeah, Kurt. So as you know, we have currently three paid holidays here at Southwest. Just for comparison, Delta's agreement has seven and Americans has nine. Uh, so obviously, we're proposing more. In fact, we have 10 proposed holidays in the current contract 2020 proposal. But uh, not just the number of holidays are changing. We're also proposing how we are compensated for those holidays. How so? We're trying to draw more in line with the industry standard of instead of a premium applied to legs, it's very much simplified. Just one ADG of pay is added if your pairing or duty of any kind, really, um, reserve training. If it touches a holiday, then you're paid for that holiday. And again, it'd be an ADG added as an override. So for us, 6.5 TFP would be added. And that's in line with the industry ADG override? Yes. What are some other changes to expenses, uh, uniforms, things like that? Sure. We, we have a section in there for uh, just what you mentioned. And two of the bigger changes coming out of uh, from American and Delta was the uh, change in reimbursement for the FA flight physical. Now, both airlines, they matched each other. Again, both airlines offer $278 for a physical without an EKG or $457 with the EKG. So, and for parking, both American and, and Delta have a uh, parking, of course, for free at their bases. And now Delta added uh, $400 for a reimbursement for the year if you choose not to park at one of their bases. So that, that is a, a change. Uniforms, nearly every airline pays for uniforms now, a full set. And otherwise, for other expenses, not a whole lot has changed. A couple of, ex couple of different reimbursements for moving. Uh, both American and Delta get a one-time allowance of $6,000 paid to the pilot for a, a, during a move, which is up from 2000 from previous. What are the changes in retirement at the OALs in comparison to us? Well, both American and Delta received increases to their non-elective contribution, uh, 17 and 18 percent, and the 17 percent starts in 2024, and then 18 percent comes in in the year 2026. 
And speaking of uh, a bigger retirement change that is over at FedEx, where they are going to be transitioning to from their pension, their A fund to a market-based cash balance plan. Now, American and Delta also have market-based cash balance plans as part of their new retirement, but that will involve only spill cash, that is money above the 415 or the 401A17 limit, whereas FedEx would like to transition away from their pension and move people into the market-based cash balance plan. And that will end up being an 11% contribution to their market-based cash balance plan, as well as continuing with their 9% non-elective contribution for a total of 20%. It's a pretty big change, and we think it's an incentive uh, to maybe uh, get people to retire, take a little early retirement there at FedEx. They also raised some of their pension limits to increase their A-fund benefit. So we've been watching that pretty closely as well. Are there any changes in terms of vacation with any of the other carriers? Sure. Uh, some of the vacation, um, the accruals are, have been raised, like Delta is up to now four hours per day, and then it increases in the outer years to a little bit higher than that, 4.15, and then four hours and 30 minutes of vacation credit. They also uh, in, changed some of their accrual. But for the most part, most of the, the carriers have stayed with what they have. Alaska did increase theirs to three hours and 45 minutes of pay per day for a vacation value, but pretty much everyone else has stayed fairly consistent. Now, a big hot topic in the negotiations right now, obviously, is sick leave and accrual and banks. How do we compare to the current industry or what's being negotiated right now? Well, with our sick leave, that is something that did not change much at the other carriers and they will still stay. Delta has up to 270 hours a year, depending on how long you've been with the company. And American will still accrue five hours per month or 60 hours for the year. A slight difference, Alaska will get a payout at the end of their career, but it's graduated in scales of 25%, 50%, then finally 100%, depending on how much you retire with. And American has a provision in there to where you can... Uh, accumulate, and then cash out at 66% of the full value of the uh, vacation. But otherwise, not a whole lot of changes there. And just looking at this, everybody else is, is pretty standard from before, but those are the only major changes. Just like to point out too, yeah, our accrual is a little higher than some of the other carriers, but I'd like to point out our, our pairings are on average more dense than other carriers also. So when a pilot's required to call in uh, sick for a three or four day pairing, they need that additional TFP to be covered because of those denser pairings. Dan's right. When our pairings are denser, they're significantly denser. Just, you know, looking at some data we looked at last year, I mean, we're flying two, two and a half, two and three quarter legs a day per average. And the other Delta United are all under two legs a day. So absolutely right that the coverage we need for our sick bank is much higher on a daily basis than the other carriers get. Let's talk about medical benefits. Were there any changes to those? We're still working on that section. You know, we one thing that's important is like the Delta pilots medical plan is codified, meaning it's contractual, which we think is very important and is something uh, we are working on uh, here right now. And otherwise, there were some changes to the health retirement account at, uh, for example, at Hawaiian. And but as for uh, as for changes, significant changes in the medical plan, um, we haven't we haven't seen any as of yet. But again, we're we're still uh, compiling that information. 
but we, we should be able to have that prepared here pretty soon. We do have the regular plan and the company typically uses, I hate to talk negotiations because this is contract comparison, but they really like to highlight the fact that the regular plan is the only plan out there with zero premiums. And that is codified, but they kind of use that as a shield too, to say we can't offer these other things because we, we have this regular plan. They do. It is interesting just to listen to kind of, to, to read the body language and to listen to them talk about the regular plan. It's right. It's a contractual plan with zero premium, which is a terrific benefit. There, of course, there are restrictions on the regular plan, you know, like on preventive care and things like that. But the point I've been making in the room is while the regular plan is a you know it's a contractualized and it's an attractive plan, it is still just a medical plan that happens to have zero premium. So just like other plans that offer different things and have a smaller or a larger premium, I'd like to not get lost in the idea that the regular plan is so special and so different that it prevents us from doing other things in the benefit package. It's a nice plan, but it happens to have a premium and that premium is $0. As we know at Southwest, uh, our pilots pay for their short-term and long-term disability plans. Are there any changes or what are those changes in other carriers? Yes, as you mentioned, uh, this is a point that's very important to our pilot group. And so in looking across the industry, American changed theirs uh, to become matching Delta at 50% of their pre-disability earnings, and that is uncapped. Delta, as we know already, was 50% uncapped. And interestingly, too, the, they were able to eliminate the Social Security offset. We've talked about that before. And so neither uh, Delta or American have that Social Security offset. So that, that's pretty important. And also they are fully uh, pensionable, meaning you will get NEC on the benefit. So that, that's a, a pretty big change, um, certainly for American. Um, we know that this is important. Uh, we're pretty certain that this is uh, one of the higher priority items at United. Obviously, it's a high priority item here for us. So, and then looking across the rest of the industry, uh, not much else has changed. Alaska is also 50% um, uncapped as well. And uh, a couple of the other carriers are in the, in the same uh, range. But again, in, in keeping with our focus on the big four, it's, it's really Americans change there was, was pretty big as compared to what they had before. So, and, and as I mentioned, uh, matching Delta. So that covers a lot of the uh, non-scheduling stuff. Let's talk some scheduling. Dan, what are some of the changes that have been achieved at OALs that are currently in our proposals? All right, Kurt. Well, one of the fundamental uh, shifts that we've seen was how how pilots are paid when it comes to reassignments. Uh, we've seen this shift happen at Delta and also proposed at American. And we have a similar proposal in our language we call leg change override, which basically any leg that is different from your original pairing uh, would pay an override value above the pairing value. Ironically, uh, when we had a scheduling conference in Chicago in April of 2021, when we were talking about reassignments, we, we told the other carriers um, what our proposal was going to be with this, with leg change override, and they must have liked it because we see this adopted in their language now. And so how do those play out at the other carriers? What's the, what's the Delta comparison for leg change override? Theirs is just a little bit different, but the way theirs is going to work is any rerouted legs prior to their first break in duties, that first day following a reroute, we're going to pay basically a 50% override. And then after the first break in duty, so the subsequent days are going to pay a 100% override. 
Uh, ours is a little more based on the footprint of the pairing, but it's very similar in that they pay over and above the pairing value. What about American? Americans very similar. Their reassignments are going to pay a 50% premium for segments in that uh, current or first duty period, and then 100% premium for all the segments in subsequent duty periods until their return to original flying or the sequence just terminates back in base. And Dan, uh, I came across something interesting on the, uh, on the Delta uh, contract, whereas if they get back after their scheduled arrival time on the last day, they get a positive space to wherever they'd like to go and or a hotel. Uh, had you heard that? Yes. So the way that works in Delta's new contract is if the pilot is rerouted and then subsequently arrives back in base after originally scheduled release time, they'll receive positive space transportation at their request. And in addition to that, if they're unable to commute home due to that reroute, they'll receive a hotel in base in addition to the positive space transportation at their request. So besides leg change override, which we've heard a lot about here at Southwest, what other additional pay overrides have been proposed at other airlines? To answer your question, Amy, yes, uh, other carriers have proposed and accepted um, some new overrides. Uh, the first would be a ground time override uh, that they have, they call a sit pay, which they now have at Delta and a proposed at American, which we do have a similar proposal uh, in contract 2020. And now Delta also has a different override called ADG carve-out. So if they are running late and then release on the last day of their sequence after midnight, they're going to get additional pay. It could be two hours of pay or even an additional ADG if it goes past two in the morning. That's amazing. So if they land after midnight, they get two hours pay. I just looked at the June schedules. We have scheduled 190 flights a day landing after midnight, and we have scheduled 62 flights landing after one o'clock. And that doesn't even talk about the ones that run late. So to see Delta get additional pay for running late like that, that's amazing. Dan, I know that a lot of our pilots have brought up the idea of an aircraft swap override, and I know it's in our proposal. Is that in any other contracts right now? Not that we have found, no. So we've heard some interest in uh, higher DHR rig. Is there any other carriers that are doing that currently? Well, Delta has now something called extended duty period pay. What that is, is any duty periods that extend past 10 hours, they are going to be paid one hour of pay for every hour of duty. And that's on a, a prorated minute by minute basis for each duty period. And so that's just to compensate the pilot for long days. Uh, was that scheduled or actual or both? Actually, it's both. It's actually the greater of scheduled or actual duty time. And yes, it's to compensate pilots. As we know, after you get after 10 hours, those days get pretty long, you get more difficult. So that's their way of compensating their pilots for those. We have a, um, a proposal for that also, a graduated DHR proposal. Let's talk about JA. There's some rumors going around that other airlines have done away with JA completely. I, I don't think we did in our proposal. Is that correct? That's correct. There is a misconception out there that other carriers don't JA, that that's not the case. They may call it a different name, but most of them still have uh, some form of JA, definitely in the form of unscheduled overnight. We did not propose to get rid of JA. We have several proposals in contract 2020 to mitigate the JA, both in the scheduling and execution sections. So we expect less JA and when they, we are JA to be compensated better for it. I know this is a contract comparison podcast, but 
close out the episode for our listeners about where they can find out some more about Contract 2020 and our proposals. Absolutely. Thank you, Kurt. Yeah, as you know, I can go on for hours about these proposals, but um, there's a couple great resources out there that our pilots can go to right now to find out more. The main one would be our, our Contract 2020 Blueprint for Success series. A couple of places you can find that. You can go to the swapa.org website and on the Schedule Research Committee page, uh, right down about halfway down is the Blueprint for Success, and it's broken down by section. And then each one has multiple questions, basically issues that we are addressing in contract 2020. Also, every Tuesday, as you know, we send out the snapshot to the pilots, and there's always a link to that contract 2020 uh, blueprint series there. And just to point out, we've been adding content to that weekly now for a year and a half, so there's quite a bit there. And Eric, what would you tell our listeners about the contract comparison? Where can they find that and when can they expect updates to it? Well, the uh, idea is to send it out, uh, or rather not in printed form, but probably on the website to start with, since it's still a work in progress, depending on the status of United and, of course, our contract. However, I would suggest that it would be available most likely by the end of this month or first part of August, as soon as we can finish up the benefits portion of it. And then again, it will be a living document that will be consistently updated as the other airlines come in with any changes. So look for it on the website first. And then once we have some more finalized comparisons uh, with uh, United getting a contract, uh, then we would look to put it in printable form. Thank you to Eric, Greg, and Dan for taking the time to talk to us today. Knowing what other carriers have achieved with their contracts provides a baseline for knowing that our proposals are not only reasonable, but many are just industry standard. Please keep in mind that we do want to hear from you. If you have any feedback or ideas for podcasts that we have yet to cover, please drop us a line at com at swapa.org. And finally, today's bonus number is 308. That's the average number of departures per year per Swapa pilot. That's about 100 more departures than our peers at Delta, American, and United. That just illustrates that we have to compare not only contracts at OALs, but also the extra value we provide to Southwest Airlines. Southwest 23, 23, clear to land. Thank you, Southwest 1223, clear to land. 